if you have your Bibles this morning, and I hope you do, uh, please turn to Acts 12 uh, with me. Uh, we are going to read uh, just a, a short passage of Scripture from there. And I, I really feel God has given me something on my heart that is fresh. God has been speaking to me in conversations with, uh, with Him, with uh, Cassandra, my wife, uh, who's with the kids this morning. Um, and uh, just something that I feel is, is on my heart. And uh, something else that I think as a church, as people may be listening, you need to be asking a question, hey, where is this coming from? When someone speaks from the front here, is it just knowledge or is it revelation? Is it worship? When you listen to someone speak, can you hear freshness in it? Can you hear a personal conviction in it? Because it's easy to get up here and just say a bunch of things. So this morning, I trust that as I speak, it would be from a place of revelation, place of worship, and a place where it spills over into your hearts. You know, uh, I saw a quote this week from John Piper. He says that we're all full to the brim with something. And when someone nudges us, we are going to spill over. And it's either going to be acid or it's going to be grace. And so this morning, I hope that as I get bumped by the awkwardness of standing in front of you, the stress of trying to deliver something, uh, God's bumping me here and there, that grace spills over, revelation spills over, and truth spills over, not Yanku spills over. So uh, in Acts 12, uh, we find uh, what has happened is King Herod, it's uh, AD 42, so after Jesus, uh, his life on earth, it's the early church, and King Herod uh, has just killed James. Um, and uh, he saw that the Jews loved it. The Jews absolutely loved the fact that King Herod went out and he killed this disciple uh, of God, a follower of Christ. And uh, he subsequently goes ahead and he arrests uh, Peter, the disciple Peter. And he's got him in prison and he's got all intent, uh, uh, intent to go out and kill him too. And during the night, an angel of the Lord appears to Peter breaks him free. Uh, he walks out, just chilled, you know, and uh, he goes and visits Mary, uh, the, uh, the mother of John Mark, and uh, they're busy praying for Peter in this house. And uh, he gets there, he says, hey guys, I'm fine, you can stop praying now. And he leaves the city of uh, Jerusalem because he's quite scared, fear fearing for his life, so he leaves. Uh, God calls him to go somewhere else, and uh, King Herod wakes up the next morning and uh, finds out that Peter's gone. Uh, he has all the guards killed straight away, just cheers, you guys messed up. Uh, and King Herod then leaves Jerusalem to go down to uh, Caesarea uh, on the coast. And uh, it's there that we find quite a weird, I would say, crazy story uh, recorded in the Bible, a uh, very strange, terrible thing that happens. Um, and it seems like Herod, King Herod, had a grudge against uh, the people of Tyre and Sidon, uh, which is two cities. Uh, we don't know why, um, but at the same time, as king, he needed to provide food for them. That was the agreement. So he has a grudge against these people. It's not really explained, okay? 
but at the same time he has an obligation for these people. He, they're looking to him to provide food for them. Um, and so the people of these two cities, basically they just want an audience with him because they're they obviously wanting to confront him about something. Uh, they can see that they're not really, uh, uh, they look down upon by the king. So they go to the king's, uh, it's called a chamberlain. Um, uh, his name was, I think, what's it there, Blatus. Uh, and they ask him, hey, please, hey, Blastus, Blastus. Um, and so they ask the, him, please, can we see the king? And uh, the king ag agrees. Uh, he gives, the king gets up and he, he gives this amazing uh, speech to them. And uh, let's read from Acts 12, uh, verses 21, uh, to what happens uh, to King Herod. Um, and so the rest of the story is quite brief. Uh, from verse 21, it says, On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robe, took his seat upon the throne, and made an oration to them. So he's busy talking to these people. And the people shouted, The voice of God and not of man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and died. So, wow, just, that just happened. Uh, so it's, it's quite interesting that the story is recorded. King Herod has done a lot of different things that are maybe even worse in our eyes than just making a speech and not giving, glo giving glory to God. You know, he killed followers of Christ, and yet at this moment, God comes and he kills him. Okay? Uh, and uh, not every one of us uh, who tries to deceive, deceive God like Ananias and Sapphira earlier in Acts 5. They tried to deceive God, in a sense, and the church. And again, they died on the spot. Uh, and not every one of us that fails to give glory to God like King Herod, uh, you know, will face the same judgment of God here on earth. But we will all face eternal judgment at some point in time at the end of this age, whenever, for the lack of glory that we give Him, or what we are living for. That is a fact. And so this morning, something that has been laid on my heart is, what are we living for? Whose glory are you living for? Whose glory am I living for? And so in Isaiah, I'll bring it up, Isaiah 43, verse 7, we find an amazing verse um, please write it down. Go and read it this week. It's Isaiah 43 verse 7. It says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And uh, the question that a lot of us will face somewhere in life, maybe yourself when you look in deep or when you're talking to people, is, well, why did God create the world? You know, what, what is the purpose of all of this? And it's pretty obvious. It's for His glory. It's not that God was imperfect and He needed us. He needed to create something so that He can become complete. He wasn't empty in any way without the earth created without us. He didn't need us, but He created the world for His glory. And so... Uh, 
that is something that we need to understand. It's a fundamental truth that this universe abides by. Everything that we do, everything that we teach uh, needs to come from the basis that everything happens for the glory of God. That is fundamental. That's the foundation of this universe. And it's the foundation of anything we believe in, that it is all created for God's glory. Okay. And Isaiah 48 kind of hits home, uh, just a, couple, a chapter later, this thing. And I really want us to just let this sink into our minds because everything I want to teach on this morning, we need to understand that everything works together for the glory of God. Okay, so Isaiah 48, verses 9 to 11, if you're taking notes. It says, For my own sake, I defer my anger. For my own sake, God speaking. For, my, for the sake of my praise, I restrain it from you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not like silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. It's amazing if you, if you just read this short passage of Scripture. God is speaking. It's for me. It's for my sake. You go through tough times for whose sake? For my sake. Yes, I, I refine you through those times. But for whose sake is it that you are being refined? For my sake. For my glory. It is for me, says God. You know, we look at the Bible and we can so easily make it about us. We look at every story, we look at every situation, and the focus is taken away from Jesus and it is put on us. And so, yes, we, we are a part of the story, but we're not the focus of the story. God is the focus. He is His glory, His kingdom, Him. He's, um, he created the world to, to display His glory. Um, and these are the driving motives in history. Whenever you read history, when you read about the church history, um, it's all about God's glory. In our individual lives, it's about His glory. And so this morning, I want to ask us a cru crucial question. How do we bring our lives into alignment with God's goal to glorify Himself? Okay, so God created the world to glorify himself. So my purpose should be to glorify God. And how do I align my life with that purpose? That God created everything for himself, to bring glory to himself. And so I want to put it in the context of what we've been sharing on. We've been looking at the other side. We've been talking about, okay, we are crossing over into something new as a church, uh, as maybe it's uh, as, as a family, but definitely individually. Where, where are areas in your life where you need to cross over into what God has for you? You know, that crossing over for a lot of people would be crossing over and trusting God that, hey, He is my salvation. That's one point. But then we need to say, God, like it is, it is my faith in you, Father God. You will come and you will provide what I need. Uh, and there's different ways that we can cross over. We've been looking at positioning ourselves in the right space 
and practicing out of that right position what it looks like to be a Christian. Kilton shared on that. Last week we had Clive share about, you know, stepping out of the driver's seat in a sense and sitting at the window seat and letting Jesus drive you and having that assurance that He knows what is best. Again, it's for His glory. Obviously, he, he, surely He knows what will glorify Him most if I trust Him. So we looked at that last week. And uh, Paul spoke about crossing over. What does that look like? We've been listening to what we need to, how we need to tame our tongues. Um, and, and we need to cross over into those areas, speaking life and, and uh, making sure that our, our tongue is controlled by the right things, by you know, a right heart and a right mindset that is godly. And so this morning, I want to ask the question, you know, I think a lot of times we... We cross over, we do all these Christian things, but it's not for God's glory. It's actually for my glory. I want to feel good. Yeah, God, I want to cross over because, yes, I, I, wanna, you know, I want to experience the more, but not necessarily for your glory, for my own. When we understand that everything we do, every, every step we take, every decision we make is for God's glory, there's a lot of freedom that comes with that, and there's a lot of purpose that comes with that, and that's godly purpose, I believe. And so uh, I want to answer that question that I just asked. How do we align our lives with God's goal to glorify Himself? And I just want to look at two passages of scriptures this morning. It's going to be short and sweet, okay? Just to answer that question, how do we align our lives to bring glory to God? So the first, um, first passage of Scripture is in Matthew 5, uh, verses 16. Matthew 5, verses 16, if you can turn with me there um, and uh, just kind of hold it open there. Matthew 5, verses 16, write it down. And uh, this is Jesus speaking, and uh, he's talking about being the light. And uh, in verse 16, he says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. Okay, I'll repeat that. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to who? Your Father in heaven. And so just three observations that I find in this one verse. And it says here, what I find is that Jesus clearly commands his disciples that the goal of our lives uh, should be to behave that God gets glory. Okay, that is our goal, is that we need to behave so that God gets glory. We need to live in such a way that people will see the good works and give the Heavenly Father praise, and not us. Okay, that's, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's there. God needs to get the glory, not me. We need to be doing these good things. Uh, giving glory to God is not merely coming together here on a Sunday and worshiping God. Okay, it's a lifestyle. And Jesus is saying, hey, people need to see your good works. You need to, they need to be able to identify with your good works. It's not just coming here. It's a lifestyle of goodness that flows out of your heart. The second thing that I see is that in order for God to get glory from the way that we live, we must be engaged in good works. 
okay? This is not just avoiding sin, okay? When, when we think that actually good works is just being a good person that avoids doing sinful things, we're missing the point. God is calling us to be people that are fellowshipping with love, doing acts of kindness, being compassionate people, patient people, living gener generously. Lots of good works flowing from our lives. He, God gets glory from that. When we focus on just avoiding sin, we're not, we're not act our eyes are fixed on the wrong place. Jesus, you, I, I'm compelled to just love you. Versus, okay, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, okay, now I'm fine. But Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to live for something bigger than just that. In, in uh, Titus 2, uh, verses 14, Christ says, uh, it says this, um, it says, Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all our iniquities and to purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. Zealous. The people that are passionate to do good deeds. Not passionate in avoiding sin. Yes, that's, that's obvious. If you're going to do good deeds, if you're going to be passionate about loving people, if you're passionate about being sacrificial, if you're passionate about just looking out for each other, if you're passionate about saying, hey, I am not going to get angry. I'm going to let the patience, the love of God actually compel me to love my neighbor. That's, that's what the, it says right in this verse. Jesus came to redeem you so that you can be zealous for good works. That's what he longs for to see in you. Not just people that come here on a Sunday and this is my good works. For the whole week, this is it. I'm being a good person by sitting here, taking notes, and uh, people feeling loved by me. No. We need to be out there in our workplaces, in our homes. People need to experience the Jesus through the way that we love, through the way that we do good. God created us for His glory. That's what we see in Isaiah. We bring glory through Him by doing our good deeds. That's what Jesus says. And so when we carry on reading the Bible, we should not be surprised to hear that the apostles say God created us for good works. So God, is, God created the world to bring glory to Him. We bring glory to Him when we do good works. And actually, in the apostles go further and they say, you were created for good works. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, great verse, well-known verse, it says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good deeds, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are created for His glory, and we are created for good deeds, because it is by our good deeds that God gets glory. And then the last observation that I just get out of Matthew 5, is that it is possible to be a kind of do-gooder, um, but that brings no glory to God. It's, it's possible. I mean, you look all over the world. There are people giving thousands of dollars, spending their whole lives making sure that people live in less suffering, 
you know, charities, NGOs, doing amazing work. But they, they're not doing it for God's glory. They might not even know God. So it's definitely possible that we could be doing a lot of good things, good deeds, without the focus on, of bringing glory to God. It's extremely possible. And just before uh, Matthew 5, verse 16, we see that Jesus says, You are the light. You are the light. So let your light shine. So I think Jesus is saying, don't just focus on the action. Focus on being. Focus on your motives. We talked about the attitude. Vanya shared about an attitude. If our attitude is that of being in Christ, of dwelling in Him, of pleasing Him, of bringing glory in Him, when we shine our light, that's what it's going to shine out of. If we just try and shine our light from an empty place, we're going to burn out so quickly. And Jesus doesn't want us to be, our deeds to be empty. He says He despises that. He actually hates it. You're just, being, you're just pretending. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They did everything right. Check, 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 check. Come to church, check. Pray, check. Fast, check. Whatever, check. But when Jesus looked in their hearts and he could, he says, you brood of vipers. You guys are empty. You're rotten inside. Man, God, I don't want to be rotten inside. Yes, God, convict me. Oh, God says, I'll spit you out. Oh, you're either for me or you're against me. Don't pretend like you're somewhere in the middle. Decide right now. Are you for me or are you against me? And so the second question that I want to ask is, how do we do good for God's glory and not my own? So how do we do good? We've established that we need to do good. Okay, God created us for His glory. We've established that scripturally, hopefully, you've seen that it is God's glory. It is our good deeds that bring Him glory. Okay, It's not our good deeds that save us. It is our good deeds that bring Him glory. But how, then, do I do good deeds for God's glory and not my own? How do I make sure that I am not like the Pharisees, but I am someone that is hungry to bring God glory from a place of being authentic, filled with Him, and that He looks at and He's pleased? So I want us to look at 1 Peter. um, And uh, I love 1 Peter because I think it is is one of the the, books in the New Testament that best reflects Jesus' teaching. James and, and I think Peter, they sometimes mirror even certain things that Jesus himself said. Um, we just read uh, Matthew 5:16, and uh, I don't have it up there, but in, in 1 Peter 2 verses 12, just listen to this and think about Jesus speaking about the light and the good works. It says, maintain good contact good conduct among the Gentiles so that in case they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. It's almost like it's just a beautiful reflection of what Jesus just said. Okay, but in chapter 4, verses 10, and that's what we'll be looking at, 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11, Peter shows 
us with a lot of clarity what it looks like to do good for the glory of God. And it almost gives us a bit of a guideline to live our lives by when we're saying, God, I want to bring glory to you. I want to do good. And uh, this is amazing scripture that we can take and apply when we want to do good. And so in 1 Peter 4 verses 10 and 11, it says that, uh, this is Peter writing, he says that, As each has received a gift, employ it for one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, let him speak as one who utters oracles of God. And whoever renders service, let him render it as one who renders it by the strength which God supplies in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now here's such a clear answer to this question. How do we serve and do good so that God gets glory? The answer is simple. In order for God to get glory from our good works, we need to do it as one depending on God for His strength to do it. Okay? So this is going to be, maybe I'll just use an example of this. And I think the, the maybe if you've got a highlighter, if you've got a pen, underline something. Uh, I don't know which verse it is because I didn't write the verses out here. But the, the, the passage there that really st stuck with me, it says, Do it as one who renders it by the strength which God supplies in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. It's easy to, to do good works when we can lean on our own strength, when we don't really need Jesus, when the abilities I have, my physical strength, my knowledge, whatever it is, I can just fall back on that. I don't actually need Jesus or God's strength to pull me through. And uh, I was trying to think of one or two examples to really hit this home for us this morning. And I was reminded of, um, well, obviously, uh, a month ago when the cyclone hit and uh, there was all the donations coming in um, and the, the collection points at the Oasis, which is where New Creation Church meets, uh, they asked for a lot of volunteers to come in and help and uh, guys to just come and pack, uh, organize, move things around, whatever it is, label. There was a lot of physical help needed. And I was thinking of how I can explain this concept to us this morning. And it would almost be like the Oasis saying, hey guys, we need, we need help tomorrow. Um, please can you come and help us pack? And I can imagine a young man sitting in the congregation thinking to himself, you know what, I could go and help, you know, I'm strong. Uh, it might be good for me to go. Uh, maybe some of the leaders will see me there. Uh, I can score some brownie points. Um, you know, maybe there'll be some nice snacks, you know, for free. Um, I'm pretty good at stacking, you know, I'm, I'm pretty strong. Uh, maybe I can give the guys a couple of pointers. Um, but as he gets there the next morning, he's just grumbling, uh, grumbling at the tools given to help. He grumbles about the system, 
Uh, he's judging uh, the efficiency of it. And uh, he's, he's constantly sharing that, you know, he could probably do it better if he was in charge or something. That's what he's thinking. And he kind of, there's just this uh, vain spirit overflowing from him. Uh, but yet he's gone to serve. You know, he looks, his work is good. He's efficient. You know, an employer would look at him and be like, she's this guy. He gets the work done. He's efficient. He's a, he's a workhorse. Man, I would employ this guy. God looks at the whole man. God sees the heart. God takes the whole man into account when he judges him. And he sees whose glory is he doing this for? Who is he dependent on? There is, there is not really a spirit flowing out of this young man of, of a joy and a gratitude on the mercy of of God that he so freely gives. He can just do it by himself. And the reason I thought about this example is because I saw a picture of people stacking um, on social media somewhere, and I saw a picture of this lady in a wheelchair at the Oasis. This really happened. A lady there, and she, was, she had some things on her lap, and she was clearly wheeling it you know, one place to another, and... I helped uh, the organizer, John O. Thompson, who was doing it just with a slideshow at the end of everything to give the public feedback. And I actually spoke to him about her, and he said, yeah, no, she came in a couple of days, amazing lady, came in early, you know, helped them serve coffees. She tried to clean as much as she could. And uh, he just said, man, she, she just radiated peace, joy, life. She just radiated Christ. And there's such a difference in attitude. It's like, God, I can't do everything that I would love to. But man, I can, I can do what I can. And I can depend on you. I'm sure she wished, hey, that she could carry as much as the other guys. Because there were days where literally the guys from the Aces would phone us and say, do you have young guys to spare? Because we need to do heavy lifting. But this lady... She knew that her strength came from God. Her whole being and demeanor gave credit to God. The way that she did it. A different of attitude, different perspective. Still doing good deeds. But God knows the heart. And uh, another, another quick example I'd give is um, every year we do uh, an annual youth camp uh, called EDGE. And uh, there's so much that goes into it, so much time, a lot of sweat, a lot of planning, a lot of uh, frustrations, a lot of trusting God. But there's, there's been times where I've, I know what to do, so I just do it. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm doing it in my own strength. I'm just, you know, saying, God, what are we going to plan? What are we going to do? Hey, we'll speak on this. We'll do this, 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 and it's just, it's second nature. I don't, I don't need God's mercy. I'm not even allowing him to maybe speak through me. I've had moments like that. And uh, God just reminded me this morning, man, and I was in, I was in tears, so I think I've cried enough, um, of, of a lady that would every year come to me and she would say, like a month or two before the camp, she would say to me, Yanku, 
what can I pray for? And she would actually keep on my case until I told her what to pray for. And she would sit me down and be like, hey, let's pray for this. Let me set up a prayer group with all these ladies and they'll pray. And Auntie Kay Connolly would would sit me down and she would say, Yanku, I can't be there. I would love to actually go and walk the campsite and just declare God's goodness over this property while you guys are meeting because it's God's strength. It's His glory. And, and just, I was just reminded and I just said, God, that is a dependency on good deeds for your glory. It's your glory. It's, it's so clear. You can see it in someone when they are doing it for God's glory and not their own. When they're actually depending on God to say, God, I, I want to bring glory to you. And uh, the truth is that a lot of us can be like that young man I was describing earlier. Can be like I've been before where I'm like, God, I've done this. I don't need your grace. And the truth is that we owe everything, every strength that, every, everything, all the strength that we do get to do good works, we, we get all of that from God anyway. It's for His glory. If, if, apart from God, what do we have? Every fiber of our being, all the intelligence that we have, all the understanding, all the faith, all everything that we have comes from God. And it's for His glory that we live. It is for Him. Apart from Him, we are all cripples. Worse than cripples. We are, we are caught in sin. We are sinful people that Jesus came to set free. And that's, that is freeing. That, when we understand the gospel, when we understand that we have been set free, we understand that we don't deserve the freedom that we walk in. We don't deserve the privilege to bring glory to God. When we understand the gospel, it sets us free. It brings us a thing of God, like, I, I can never be perfect, but yet through you, there is hope for me. And I think that so often we don't hear the good news enough. We don't share it with each other enough. We don't challenge each other enough. And uh, this morning, I just wanted to read uh, just the good news about who Jesus is. And the gospel is the news that Jesus Christ the righteous one died for our sins and rose again, eternally triumphant over all his enemies so that there is no condemnation for those who believe, but everlasting joy, everlasting joy. We never, ever, never, 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 never outgrow our need for the gospel. If, if we think that the gospel saved me and that is something that I heard maybe a year ago, 10, 20, 30 years ago, and hey, I made that decision, cheers, I'm, I need to go on to something new, something bigger, we make a big mistake because we need the gospel every single day. It is not through anything that you did or I did that we are saved. Nothing we do can take us away from being righteous before God when we have confessed and we have believed in our hearts. We are called for good works. 
And those good works come from understanding our position in Christ. When we want to practice being a believer for the glory of God, we need to understand that nothing we did got us saved. And we need to understand that Jesus is saying, I died for you. I rose again. I am triumphant over sin. And you need to believe in your heart. And you need to confess with your mouth that you believe that this is true. And you can walk in the freedom that I'm calling you to. You can walk into the good works that I am prepared for you beforehand for my glory. But if we don't understand that Jesus has done it all already, the pressure is off of us. When we encounter Jesus, there is freedom to live out the good works. And in 2 Thessalonians, and I'm finishing, it just says this. It says that God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. All of us. Jesus doesn't want us. He's not destined us for wrath. He wants us to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ who died for us so that wherever we are, awake or asleep, we might live with him. That gives me peace. That gives me so much peace. God, I can do the good works knowing that you want me. I can live out. I can cross over to the other side, aiming to bring glory to you, knowing that Christ has done it all for me. I've made righteous. Christ has crushed his enemies. He's triumphant. I'm going to live for you. And as a, as a result of what I believe. And so, this morning, uh, I've given you some examples, but I want to give you one last one as I close. Understanding good deeds is, is really important. And uh, I think there, there's two people when it comes to good deeds. There is one man that, that wakes up in the morning and he says, God, you are worthy. God, you, you deserve all honor. I want to glorify you today. And he looks over at his Bible and uh, he sees a weight that is really heavy. He picks it up and on it, it says that the duty to glorify God all day. He says, okay, God, I need to glorify you today. And it's like a heavy burden. It's almost awkward. It's something that I have to carry with me today. It's my duty. It's my responsibility. I'm going to walk this out. It's going to be hard, but you know what, God, I need to glorify you. I need to do good deeds today. Whew. It's a bit of a stress. It's a bit of a pressure, but God, I pray that hopefully I'll do good deeds today, and it becomes tiresome. It becomes hard, awkward. You forget about it, and it's, it's a duty. And then I believe there's another man that says, God, you are worthy when he wakes up. He says, God, you are, you are glorified over all the earth. But God, I don't have the strength to do it in my own. I don't know how I can. God, I'm a sinner. Yet you've given me hope. Well, Jesus, it is only through you that I can bring you glory today. It is only through your 
your spirit living in me that, that will compel me to be the man that you have called me to be. Help me, Jesus, bring glory to you today. And may one person at the end of this day have been impacted by the way that I want to serve you faithfully. And there's, I don't have a string that goes up to heaven, but if you can imagine almost like uh, a string connected to this backpack going up all the way to heaven, that God has all the weight. I think there's still a responsibility that we carry. We say, Jesus, I, I will do the good deeds. I, I, I put that upon myself, but I trust you. There's an invisible weight that somehow lifts this thing up. That's what it would be like. God, I am going to follow you. And that's what the second thing says there is that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we do good works, this is what you should feel. Not this. Oh man, I'm going to mess up again. I'm going to struggle. You know, oh flip. My yoke is easy and my burden is light.